simple, but I think God is going to use it to help us. I just want to believe that. Now, you see, uh, Bible talks about my people being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And uh, I think it has come from various ways of interpretation. But let me say this. In Israel, there is something that was called a feast, one of the, the period of time they call the year of Jubilee. And some of you have heard that before. The year of Jubilee has to do with, you know, maybe your father owes some debts. And normally it's about 50 years. So you have 50 years Jubilee and there are several Jubilees, but basically the 50 years Jubilee. Your father owes some debts. And so uh, you were taken into slavery because what it means is if your father can't pay, the person your father is owing takes you so that you walk and pay off the debts of your father. Then you can be free. Is that okay? Now, the year of Jubilee is quantified based on the number of years. For instance, if the Jubilee year is going to be about 50 years from now, you keep on walking. But then, if for instance, next year is the year of Jubilee, and today you were taken into slavery, once the Jubilee sound goes up, you don't have to stay 50 years again, you only stay the two years you were staying before. Are you getting that? Okay, so now, the year of Jubilee equalizes so many things and sets people free who were in bondage before, who were in slavery before, and the priest comes out to make the announcement that said, it is now the year of Jubilee. And so everybody that was supposed to be in slavery at that moment is set free. No matter how long you were supposed to have owed, no matter how much you were owing, one million, fifty million, whatever. But as soon as the Jubilee sound comes up, you are set free. Is that okay? Are you listening to me? Now, this is very crucial, even to our salvation. The point is, if the Jubilee sound, the trumpet of Jubilee sounds, and you are not aware, you can still be walking as a slave when already you are freed. Did you get that? Okay. I want you to see if I can communicate this to your mind this morning. You can still be laboring, and yet there's a declaration that you are free. By reason of the law, by reason of the priest sounded the trumpet, you are not allowed to work for anybody anymore as a slave. Is that alright? Okay, now. So, the point is, how do you come out of slavery? Only when you are told that this is the year of Jubilee. For instance, if the Jubilee was going to last for 50 years, and you were born and you were just about 20 years, except you have been informed that there is something called Jubilee, you wouldn't know anything about it. Is that okay? So even when the trumpet of Jubilee sounds, because of your age, you still will not be able to know. So even if you are free, if your slave master wants to oppress you, he can still keep you there until somebody has come to inform you that this is the year of Jubilee. So, now your freedom, though already have been declared, but it's not dependent on who can do what, inform you. Am I making sense? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. At the time of slavery in those days, 
Even when slavery had been abolished in England, men were still keeping slaves. Men were still undergoing slave trade. Why? Because there was no mass communication. It would take some years or months, if you will, to get certain information from maybe UK to Africa. But you know, most of their slaves were being taken from where? From Africa. So you find that for almost about a year or two or three, slave trade was still going on when already in the house of Lord it had been abolished. Why? Information. Are you still there? Okay. So, those who were slave masters, they were still doing the business, but yet, the law already abolished it, and they were supposed to be punished, if need be, for doing that. But they were doing it, and on one hand, you can't blame them, because they were not informed. Is that okay? And then, for those who were also partaking of the slavery, you probably also could not blame them, because they were not informed. Now, you have excuses if you are not informed. But if you are informed, and you still continue with that, definitely Lord will take his course. Am I right? Okay. And then, for you also, for somebody to put in slavery, and you know the law says there is no slavery, you will also equal stand to fight for what? For your rights. Now, I'm saying now this to make you see something this morning. And some of you have not been able to see the level of emancipation that Christ has bought for your behalf. You've not been able to see the value of the sacrifice of Jesus on your behalf. And I'm going to point out something to you this morning. So, what am I speaking on? Freed, but you can't remember. That's my subject. Every Christian in the world, in fact, every human being in the world is freed, but you can't remember. So that even if I tell you, you can be talking to the book of Second Peter while I'm talking because I'm going to be reading from Second Peter chapter 1 and I prefer to read it from the message translation as well. Uh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Second Peter chapter 1 I'm going to be reading from the message translation. I'm going to be reading from verse number 2. Now, everything freed but can't remember. I may be telling you now what I'm going to be telling you. But what keeps you in the realization of what I'm about to tell you is your ability to remember what I'm saying. Not just what I'm saying, but what he Christ have done. Okay. Second Peter 1. I'm going to be taking my time because it's a subject that I feel we need to really take to heart. Praise the Lord. Second Peter 1, are we there together? I'm reading from verse number 2. Do you want more and more of God's goodness, I mean kindness and peace? Can anybody answer that question? Do you want it? Hallelujah. I want you to know that. Do you want more and more of God's kindness and peace? It's a simple question. Now, there are some things that he will want you to do to be able to get the kindness of God and the peace of God. Now, not just the kindness and the peace of God, but more and more of the kindness and the peace of God. Are you there? Now, the Bible now says, 
They learn to know him better and better. Hallelujah. Can you put it down? Hallelujah. Are we together? Okay. Listen again. Do you want more and more of those kindness and peace? Then learn to know him what? Better and what? And better. In other words, for you to have more of God's peace. Hallelujah. Grace and peace unto you. This will be King James. Are you sure this is everything? Alright, whatever it is. Okay, or maybe you go to Living Bible. This is King James, brother. Okay, hallelujah. Do you want more and more of God's kindness and peace? Then learn to know Him better and better. Verse 3. For as you know Him better, He will give you through this great power everything you need for living and truly good life. He's answering the question for you. Do you want to know? I mean, do you want the kindness of God and the peace of God which is grace and peace of God? Do you want more of it every day? What did he say you should do? Learn to know him what? Better and better. And what will he do? He said, through that, he's going to give you his great power. Through his great power, what will he give to you? Everything you need for living and truly good life. Everything you need. Not some things. Everything you need. Amen? He even shared his own glory and his own goodness. With us, verse 4. And by that same mighty power, he has given us all the other rich and wonderful blessings he promised. For instance, the promise to save us from the lost and rottenness all around us and to give us his own character. Praise the living God. The promise to give us what? His own character and to save us from. The rottenness that is all around us. God made this promise in his word. And he's saying the only way God is going to give this to you is as you get to know him more and more. Or better and better on a daily basis. So there is a need for you to know God beyond the level that you know him now. Now, it simply means this. The more you know him, the more things comes your way without you struggling for them. Because he says he gives to you. It is not you struggling to get. He is the one making things available to you. Hallelujah. Verse 5. But to obtain this gift, you need more than faith. And I like that. Because you see, we have often preached faith to the extent we are we think that is the only thing you need to get this done. He said, for you to get this good gift we're talking about, for you to come to the place where God himself will be the one to make this available to you, you need more than faith. What's the next thing that you need? You must also work hard to be good. Hallelujah. Now what the scripture says, Jesus went about doing good. And people say, good master. You must also work hard to be what? To be good. And even that is not enough. For then you must learn to know God better and discover what He wants you to do. Very important to me. You must learn to know God better and to discover what He wants you to do. 
there is a need for you to know exactly what God wants you to do in life. Praise the living God. Are you following what I'm saying here? Amen. Verse number 6. Next, learn to put aside your own desires so that you will become patient and godly. Gladly letting God have his way with you. Gladly letting God have his way with you. You must learn to put aside your own desires. And let God have his way with you in your life. Let God minister his life to you. Hallelujah. Verse number 7. This will make possible the next step in your life. Which is for you to enjoy other people and to like them. And finally, you will grow to love them deeply. Hallelujah. When you desire, when you begin to put away your desire, when you begin to walk the way God intends you to walk, when you begin to discover the thing God intends you to do, the next thing you're going to do is develop likeness for people. And you do not only like people. If you turn to the place where now your likeness becomes deep love, relationship. You see, scripture keep on telling us, be your brother's keeper. Love your brother as you love yourself. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse number 8. The more you go on in this way, the more you will grow strong spiritually and become fruitful and useful to our Lord Jesus Christ. You become fruitful, you become useful to our Lord. You are not just fruitful for yourself, you are useful to God. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 9. But anyone who fails to go after this addition to faith is blind. Amen? Anyone who fails to add this simple addition to faith is what? Is blind indeed, or at least very short sighted, and has forgotten that's the place that God delivered him from the old life of sin so that now he can live a strong, good life for the Lord. A man who cannot add this virtue to his life is a man that is blind and has forgotten. So, when you forget, it simply means you don't remember. Am I right? Praise the living God. It means you can be freed, but you don't remember that you are freed. And if you can't remember your freedom, then those things God said He will give to you cannot come your way. It means there are some good things about life that God brings our way just because we remember the fact that He has set us free. The Bible says, Deliver us from the corruption and the rottenness that is in this world. He made it possible. You are not the one to make it possible. You are not the one to set yourself free. God is able to do that. God is willing to do that. God determined to do that. But there is one assignment for you to remember. God set me free. What is it supposed to mean? It simply means anything that will come to your life. It is not about how much you are going to struggle to get it. It is how much of him you can have in your mind remembering. That God set you free from a background. And when he says set you free from sin, it's not you're talking about your sin you committed yesterday or today or something like that. I'm talking about everything that could have been part of your record from the foundation of the world. He set you free from them. Now, you're remembering this fact that God set me free. Begin to bring God's goodness to your life. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Just remembering. God sets me free. I am a new creature. I am not who I used to be. I am not part of the system that was there before I was born again. 
I'm a new being. I belong to a new community. Just that remembering begin to bring things to your life. It talks about the good things of this life for living and then the very life and the nature of God. Just remembering. Hallelujah. You see, I've always made this clear to people. God's covenant in the new order is not a two-way traffic type of covenant. It's not a covenant between two people. It's a covenant for God himself, between God himself. Because the day men said, anything you ask us to do, we will do. That was a covenant between God and man, Exodus 19. But man could not do what he said, he will do. So man broke the covenant. And you will always break God's covenant. That God knows that this is a problem with man. And decided to say no. I'm going to enter the covenant myself. And I'm going to give to mankind what they need. So all you need to do is to believe what he has decided to do. And stop struggling. Am I talking to somebody here? Hallelujah. Verse number 10. So dear brothers. Work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. And then you will never stumble or fall away. Work out to be among. In other words, King James said, make your election and calling sure. Work hard to be among. Now, I'm going to take you another scripture which I think is going to help us a little bit. Praise the living God. After what I was actually reading as well, if you go to uh, Living Bible, you're going to find it a little more expressed. This way. Verse 11 says, And God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, I want you to get this point right. When it says, The man who cannot have this into his faith is short-sighted and is blind. And has forgotten. That's where I'm coming to now. You see, he saved you, not because you saved yourself, not because of anything you did. Are you getting that? He saved you. He just loved you. He just chose you. He decided to pick you to himself. Hallelujah. But he said, you just keep remembering what he has done. And then he begins to add the basic necessities of life to your life. You're working hard in this regard. Is to have faith. Is to add virtue. Is to love your brother. Is to be committed to loving him better and more and more. Okay. Praise the living God. So remembrance. It is just one simple thing. How do you get the things of life? How do you intend that God will favor you? How do you think, hey, if God comes your way, if God wants to bring things to your life, how is he going to bring them? You just need to do just one thing. Remembrance. Don't forget. Now, I'll make you see why this is important. Hallelujah. It simply means they who forget are those who do not really believe in what the Lord have done for them. So they don't remember. What is it that you are forgetting now? You're forgetting the fact that you were saved from the rottenness of this world. You were delivered from the oppressive system. Let me tell you something, people of God. You are truly free. What, what I'm just trying to make you see this morning is like I was trying to illustrate in the very beginning. I'm searching for before you the jubilee that God himself had given to his people. You are truly free. There is no power in the world. There is no power in the universe. There is no sin. There is no parental causes that can hold you bound. You are totally free. He paid the price. Praise the living God. 
Yes. That is what you should remember. Now, if God says, for those of you who don't find time to be in Bible studies, quite unfortunate. But if God says in the book of Hebrews chapter 8, there are iniquities and their sins will I remember no more. Why would somebody remind you of the sins of your father? Now, the only man that I know can truly remind you of the things of your past is the devil. And that's why the Bible calls him the accuser of the bravery. There are two persons that continuously reminds you of your past. The devil and the law. Hallelujah. The devil and the law. Therefore, any ministry, I'm sorry to say, bear with me, any ministry that will continue to remind you of what you did before is working for the devil. It's not making your mind to be free so that you can get the good things of God that he has made available. He said, he who will not remember. He that easily gets forgotten about the things I've done. He's blind and cannot see. I don't need to do anything to become who God intends me to be. He has already made all the provision. I can only remember one thing. He has set me free. I am a free man. Hallelujah. I am completely free. And I'm saying the same thing to you. You are free. No matter where you are coming from, you are free. No matter who your father used to be, you are free. God is not holding anything against you. So man cannot hold anything against you. Not even the devil has the right to hold anything against you. You are free. I'm proclaiming to you the year of jubilee. Don't let any man remind you of your past people. You are free. This is why you can't get the good things of life. This is why certain things can't work for you. This is why the money you are looking for is not coming the way it should come. Because your past is holding on to you. You are short-sighted. You are blind. Where is grace? Say where we start from. Grace and peace unto you. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Not just multiplication, not just added. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. So in your business, grace and peace can be multiplied. In your family, grace and peace can be multiplied. You only need to remember one thing. God sets me free. Are you sitting there with me? You don't have any problem with any... Listen to me. There is no devil that has any problem with you right now. No devil has any problem with you. Because even if they gather for your sake, they shall surely fall. God said that. It's not you making them to fall. God makes them to fall for your sake. Hallelujah. Turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I think we'll take this from the message. Try this time the message. Maybe the other one was living Bible. Let's get out to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to read from the message as well. Amen? Praise the living God. Let me read from verse 3. How blessed is God. And what a blessing he is. He is the father of our master Jesus Christ. And takes us to the high places of blessings in him. How blessed is God? What? How do you quantify the blessings of God and who God is in terms of being a blessed man? 
Are you there? How blessed is God? And what a blessing he is. In other words, the scripture is defining who God is. God is a blessed man. And if God is your father, that means your father is a blessed man. And now, he wants to give you his blessing. Now he chose a channel to give you his blessing. What channel is that? Jesus Christ. All you owe God is what? Remembrance. Nothing more. So even if you walk the street, I am a blessed man because my father is a blessed man. Glory to God. He said, takes also high places of blessings in him. Verse 4. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind. Oh my God. Long before he laid the foundation of the earth, he had you and myself in mind of what he wants to do. See, I don't see you missing anything God has in mind for you. Because before you were born, he already planned what you are going to get in this world. How do you connect to what he has in mind? He should just simply be in Christ. Just simply be in Christ. Praise the living God. Long before he laid the foundation of the earth, he had us in mind and has settled on us the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Oh my goodness, listen to me. Somebody are preaching holiness. What is holiness? He said, he settled it in his mind. Come on, can you get that from the scripture here? He made, he said, the focus of his love is to make us whole and what? Holy. So it is God that makes you holy. In fact, I'm speaking to holy people of God because of his love. You know, when the Bible says, be holy because your Father in heaven is holy, how are you going to make yourself holy? Going by the standard of the Jewish people, don't eat frog, don't eat snake, don't eat, <laughs> don't eat chicken. <laughs> Are you getting that? And that gives you holiness. God said, no, I am going to make you holy. Because that one can't even make you holy. And I'm going to make you holy who? In Christ. He had that in mind. Because he wanted a holy community. God is raising the holy community. You are holy people. And he said, listen, he wants to make us whole and holy. Spirit, soul, and body. No fragmentation. No confusion about life. When a man is whole, that means the spirit, his soul, and body, they are working together. He wants to make you whole. You can make yourself whole. You are always in confusion. God wants to make you whole. And it is part of his love. Does God love you? Yeah. One of the expression of his love is to do what? To make you whole. So that you can't be confused all the days of your life. Madness is over. Confusion is over. Foolishness is over. Come on, Jesus said. Here is the wisdom of Solomon. He said, look, a greater than Solomon is here. 
What does that mean? And Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. If you receive Christ, receive the wisdom of God. Amen? He wants to make you whole. It is part of the expression of His love. That means sickness will not abide in your body forever. There is no terminal sickness that God's grace cannot touch. Because He wants to make you whole. So you can't be sick in your spirit and you claim to be whole. You can't be sick in your soul and you think you are whole. You can't even be sick in your body. He wants to make you whole. It is part of the expression of His love for you. It's not by what you can do. Amen. I was speaking with a young man a few days ago. And he said, Pastor, can you please find a place for me? I want to fast five days. I want to fast. I said, you don't need all of that. You need Christ here. Speak the Christ and that's all. Simple. You don't need to get the room, lock up yourself, smelling like some kind of stuff. Man, this man died, went to the grave, came out, and now you are fresh. He is giving you his own life. Son of Solomon said, don't let your hair like oil. Did he say so? Come on, wash clean, brush your teeth, put some oil on your hair. Smell fine in the streets. Christ died and set you free. It's not because of what you can do. No religion can make you whole. Am I talking to somebody? You have his fragrance all around you. It died to make you whole. It is part of the expression of his love. If you say God loves me, this is one of it. To make you whole. Hallelujah. And you see, he had this in mind from the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the earth comes into place. He already had that in mind. This is what I want to do. I want to do this for James. I want to do this. I want to make him whole. I want to bless him. Can you imagine God thinking? No wonder I say, I know the thought that I think towards you. Hey, man. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Before you came in here, he said, I know what I'm thinking about David. I know I'm going to shape him. I know what I'm going to do about him. He is thinking about you. Before you were born, he was thinking about you. There is nothing you are going to do to add to what God has determined to do for your life. Just love him better and more better. Amen? Hallelujah. Look at the next verse, verse number 6. Verse number 6. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift. Hallelujah! Given by the hand of his beloved son. Lavish gift. No reservation. When he gave Christ, there were so many things that followed Christ. Hmm? He gave one thing, but everything you will ever need in life followed that one gift. Now, let me explain something. I'm getting the picture here. If this house was full of... As me, it's a warehouse. You need only one thing. If the whole doors are locked, you need only one thing to enter the warehouse to get what you want. What is that? A key. That's all. So everything you ever imagine that you want in life is in Christ. He gave you one gift. It becomes a lavish gift. Every other thing begins to follow. Head is there. Good marriage, good life, good children, everything. Let me tell you something. Even if your children are crazy, they are going to be normal. God's grace will come. God's peace will come. Just do what? Remember. He saved me. I didn't save myself. 
Remember what he said? I chose you before the foundation of the world. It's my intention to make something good out of your life. It's my intention to beautify you. It's my intention to grace your life. It's my intention to do something. Listen, God wants to make you a praise upon the face of the earth. Amen? You are yet to see some ugly people becoming giants in the Lord. I'm talking to you, somebody here. He wants to make you a praise on the face of the earth. You have no problem whatsoever. No problem. The devil is not even your problem. Because this stupid thing was defeated some thousand years ago. The reason he's still tormenting you is because you don't know you are free. The reason he's still tormenting you is because you don't know that he's defeated. You have not been able to make him know that you are a defeated fool. Not defeated fool, defeated fool. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse number 7. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We are free people. Can I add amen to that, somebody? Free of penalties and punishment chalked out by our misdeeds. We are free people. Because of the blood of Jesus. There is no sin that anybody can count against you. Penalties. Have you seen it right about that? Look at that. We are what? Free people. Free of what? Penalties and punishment. Chunked up by what? Our misdeeds. Even the one of our fathers. No, 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 no. Are you getting that? Not just barely free, but what? Abundantly free. We are free people. Unless some men preach some stupid gospel to you that one devil is after you, the sin of your father is after you, your community sin is after you, you don't belong there. We are free people, not just barely free, we are abundantly free. Oh, so you come into your financial freedom now. You only need to remember, I am free <laughs> anywhere, anytime. You only need to remember one thing. How many things? One thing. And what is that? I am free. Just remember that. Say, we are free people. Listen, there is no shrine in your community that can locate you. For he whom the Son of Man set free is free indeed, totally. Abundantly, spirit, soul, and body. You are free in every area. Listen, the devil can't even touch your money. You are free. What's wrong with the preachers, man? They're putting you in bondage. They tell you what you must do. You know, we do more sacrifice in each other than doing in the herbalist. In order to please God. You can't please God. The only thing you need to please God is to believe in His Son. You want to please God? Believe in Jesus Christ. Because he doesn't see you. Anytime God looks at the world, you know what he sees? He sees the blood. Okay, let me give you a simple illustration. In the Old Testament, every year, remember, every year they must offer the sacrifice. Leviticus 16. The high priest goes to the altar, pouring the blood, and comes out. The people are outside there. Are you getting what I'm talking about? And the high priest comes out and pronounces the blessing of the people. God have accepted your sacrifice. And the people begin to rejoice and be glad and they go back home. There is nothing else they will do other than offer the lamb. 
Now Christ said, hey, God said, no, 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 no. This lamb is not even giving me the joy I want. I have a lamb for myself. The Bible now says, Christ is the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And when God saw that blood, he said, who offered this blood? He said, nobody can. So, okay, I have to offer it myself okay, on behalf of the people. Now, can you accept my own sacrifice? That's the question. So if you say, God, I accept your sacrifice. I say, you are a free person. You are delivered. Right from today, you are my beloved. Hallelujah. So when God looks at the world, he doesn't see you. What does he see? He sees the blood. He sees the blood. So if I'm right where the blood is, if the blood is on me, if the blood is around me, man, let me tell you something. I'm a beloved of the Lord. There is no devil in this creation that can bypass the blood. Practically impossible. Now I'm not talking about using it as if it's a religious thing, sprinkling all the time on tires and microphone. I'm not talking about that. You know I'm not talking about that. I'm saying believing in the sacrifice. There's one sacrifice. You don't have to offer it every day. One sacrifice. I'm going to show you something now. Hallelujah. You are abundantly free. Let me tell you nobody you are abundantly free. Hallelujah. Verse 8. He thought of everything. Provided for everything we could possibly need. Oh my God. Oh my God. He taught. See, God sat down and said, what, what will Osazawa need in life? What will James need in life? He sat down. You know, listen, before you came here, he has a record of you. And he said, what, what is this guy going to need in his life? And God began to write down the things you need in his life. And he said, hey, listen to me. For you to catch the things I have in mind, for you believe in my sacrifice. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Listen, can you see that? He taught of everything provided for. Everything we could possibly need. Can you imagine God sitting down and taking inventory of what you can possibly need? So there is nothing you will need. Listen, there's a big difference between need and want. God does not provide your want, He provides your needs. Do you understand that? You may be wanting an airplane, God will not provide that. Maybe what you need in your situation is a bicycle. It will give you a bicycle and not aeroplane. Aeroplane is your want, but bicycle is your need. Are you there with me? <laughs> he sat down and took inventory of what you are going to need in life. God knows what I need. And definitely he will let me have what I need. And the only way I can capture God's mind to have what I need is to believe in his son. The blood of Jesus. Nothing more. Just believe this man. Just believe what he has done. Just believe. You don't have anything you can do. Just believe in him. Believe in the grace and the power of God. Believe in the sacrifice of Jesus. There is nothing else you can do to please him. Nothing. Somebody said, okay. It means I don't even need to give offering. That's what I'm talking about. Don't deceive yourself. If you understand what I'm saying. There will be enough grace to do what God wants you to do. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Go down just a little bit. So you see what I'm saying here? Now, verse 9. Let us in on the plans. Letting us on the plans he took, sought delight in making. He set it all 
are before us in who? In Christ. Now, yeah, I was trying to explain something. Can you talk with me to the book of John? Let me say something there to you. John 20 verse 17. I would like you to catch up something there very quickly. I was trying to explain to you what the priest used to do uh, in the Old Testament. Once they offer the blood, the people go back home rejoicing. They'll be rejoicing all through the year. They have no problem until the next year. And then they'll come back again with another blood. Amen? Another sacrifice, another animal. They'll just come back to it. And uh, the priest will have to offer it again. But anytime the priest there offer the blood, the people go back home rejoicing. So then the whole of that year is a free year. Are you still there with me? All right. John 20 verse 17. Let me show you something. When Jesus rose from the grave. Amen. Mary Magdalene saw him and was thinking. He's one of the gardeners. Hallelujah. And Jesus finally made her to know that he is the one. And Mary wanted to grab Jesus. And Jesus said, hey. Jesus said, don't. Cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. What's the meaning of this? Maybe you have not even known that, but let me explain that to you. Jesus was a high priest in the order of Melchizedek as well. Is that okay? Every priest wants to offer the blood. He takes the blood to the most holy place and sprinkles it on the mercy seat so that the people can obtain mercy. Is that okay? Now Jesus was the Lamb of God. He had been sacrificed. He had poured out the blood on the altar, which is the cross. But he has not sprinkled the blood as it were on the mercy seat. That's what he was telling Mary. Listen, Mary, I'm a high priest. Don't touch me now. Let me finish the job of the high priest and you can touch me. Can you understand that the same day they touched him? When he goes, go and tell the brothers, I am coming. He went there, they touched him the same day. But he has to fulfill the law. He has to fulfill the principle of the high priest. So he took the blood into the presence of God on your behalf and on my behalf. That's what he was telling Mary. Did you get that? Don't touch me. I have not ever ascended. Let me go and present the blood. Let me show the blood to the Father that the sacrifice has been done. And it was done for you and for me. So what am I supposed to believe in to have my freedom? The blood. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? This is when he presented the blood before the Father. So the key thing is what? It's remembrance. Hallelujah. Remembrance will give you the grace to receive all the good things of life that the Lord has blessed the believer with. Number two, remember we guarantee you the goodness of God. If you can remember what he has done, he shed the blood on my behalf. You don't have any problem. Listen, there's a kind of favor that comes upon your life because of your simply understanding that I am a free man. You know, people go to some places, something, something is following you. Have you heard that? Something is following you. You see, something is just following you. But now, you come to a place where something different is following you. That wherever you step into, men want to receive you. They cannot just be able to resist your presence. God's glory resting upon you because of the sacrifice of Jesus. It's only one thing, people, that you need to please God. And that is the sacrifice of Jesus. Number three, it will guarantee you the goodness of God, like I said. Number four, it will cause God to share his glory with you. Hallelujah. 
Let me give you two simple illustrations. As in somebody is writing, I'll read it again. I said, the first thing the glory is going to make you see is, if you are somebody who remember, it gives you the grace to receive all the good things of life that the Lord has blessed the believer with. Is that okay? It guarantees you the goodness of God, and then it causes God to share His glory with you. Hallelujah. So now, listen to me. Men that are short-sighted, men that are blind, cannot see the glory of God. I'm going to give you two examples, and then we'll close. For instance, Moses saw the glory of God. He saw the promised land. How many of you remember that? Jesus also saw. But let me recall Jesus. Hebrew 12, verse number 2. Hebrew 12, verse number 2. Look at that. Looking unto Jesus, the altar and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I want you to see this. The first thing is, he began to finish. Author means your faith was started by Jesus Christ. He began your faith. He made you to have the faith to believe even in him. He will also do what? Finish it. Hallelujah. But the key thing is, for the joy that was set before him, he did what? He endured the cross. That means he knew that on the other side of the cross, there is a glory. Hallelujah. So he could go through some pressures in life. He could go through the cross because he knows that when he finished the cross, the other side, there is a glorious friend. I've already been explaining to Maxwell, talking to a few guys. Some of you don't understand that the ministry of Jesus is completely different from his natural ministry and then when he rose from the grave. Some of you don't understand that. You think, oh, everything from Matthew to John is all part of the New Testament. In the true sense, Matthew to John is also part of the Old Testament. Why? Because at that level, Jesus was walking on the law. The New Testament should begin from the book of Acts. Is that okay? Come on, are you there with me? Therefore, the ministry of Jesus after resurrection has more potentials, more potency, more power as compared to when he was alive. If you believe everything he says in the late house and walk in that which he says in the late house, grace will abundantly come unto you. Let me explain something. I don't see him talking about grace in the, in the epistles. Did you see him talking about grace there? But grace flows all through the letters. I mean, in terms of the four epistles, whatever. You don't see more of grace there. Grace simply means what? An unmerited favor. Favor that you don't work for. Things you don't labor for. That is grace. Hallelujah. I gave you a simple illustration. I was speaking this in Malaysia. You see, when people were looking at me when I was sharing this, I made a simple illustration. Did you see Jesus heal anybody when he walked on the earth for 40 days after resurrection? Is there any record that he healed anybody? He was simply talking about the kingdom of God, but he never healed anybody. Are you saying within that 40 days there were no sick people? Why was he not healing? Because if he died, heal anybody at that time, that person will never die anymore. When he raised Lazarus, Lazarus still died. Why? Because he was still in the flesh. Then he has not gone to the cross. But when he went to the cross and came out of the cross, he became a glorified son of God. In that dimension, if he heals anybody, he's going to give to him. That which I have, I do what? I give unto you. That man will never die. 
has a different realm of ministry entirely I'm talking about. So when you begin to receive from Christ from that dimension, a different life begins to come into your life. Praise the living God. The author and the finisher of our faith. There's a glory that he saw and so he could endure. Listen to me. God wants to show you some things that you can remember. And the more you remember the things he wants to do for your life, the more his energy comes into you to be able not only to trust him, but to get to the finish. Hallelujah. Let's get down to Hebrews. Let's look at Moses. Praise the living God. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. I'm reading verse 24. By faith Moses. Everybody say by faith Moses. Okay. When he was come to here, he refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, this is very crucial. We always look faith and look at faith to grab things. But there is also a faith to reject some things. It is still faith. Amen. Somebody will tell you you don't have enough faith. Now the question is, enough faith for what? We always talk about big faith to receive big things. But there is also big faith to reject some things which are not of God. Moses refused. And it was by faith. Is it there? Verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt for your respect unto the recompense of the reward. You see, if you labor, if you if you're working with God and you think you don't expect any reward, it seems you don't know the God you're working with. When Moses rejected royalty in the palace, he has a mind and a focus for something greater than what Egypt can offer. If you don't see this, you can't reject it. Are you sitting there with me? He was supposed to be the next pharaoh in Egypt. He rejected that offer on a platter of gold. He didn't have to work for it. He was, he was raised there. He grew up there. So he was supposed to be the next pharaoh. But he rejected that because he saw something greater than just being an ordinary pharaoh. Are you sitting there with me? You can have faith to reject some things when you can know and see what God has for you. That what he has in mind for you is greater than what you could be wanting to take at that moment. Especially if it can be a reproach unto God. Amen? Hallelujah. Look at it. Look at this. Abraham went through the wall. Genesis 14. Came back and the king said, Can we just give you some things? Remember that? What did he say? He said, No. Lest you say, We have made Abraham rich. He knew that the God himself is the God of heaven and earth. The one that owns all things. I'm not going to take anything from you. You need faith sometimes to reject some things that will not bring glory to God. Hallelujah. 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he enjoyed as we were. See him who is what? Invisible. He saw the invisible God. He saw things in the natural, not in the natural sense, not in the natural realm. He saw something greater than what people can offer, than who Pharaoh represents. 
He saw into the spirit dimension. That is why he has the need for your eyes of understanding to be what? Enlightened. To know. You only do not need to know. You also need to see beyond the natural. For the things which are seen are what? Temporal. But the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. There are some eternal weight of glory that God has reserved and preserved for you. Don't forget, he had you in mind when he was laying the foundation of the world. So no man is going to take what God has in mind for you. No, no man going to take the list that God has in mind for you. It's still intact. Nothing has happened to it. Am I talking to someone here? When he sat down and began to take the inventories of your life and what he wants to do, the list is still intact with him. Nobody, nothing has been raised, nothing can even touch it. Not even the devil has an understanding. Listen, when the devil thought he was going to mess up Job, the Bible said the latter end of Job was greater than the former. He has an inventory for your life. Through faith, verse 28, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. I'm a final scripture, Hebrew 10, verse 22. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Listen to me. If you can truly come to what I'm talking about this morning, things will begin to locate you. Amen? Things will just be locating you. Things will just be coming your way. Healing, deliverance, freedom. Things will just be coming your way. God speaking to you in the, in the depth of the night. Showing you what to do. Giving you directions about life. Things will begin to come your way. Hebrews 10 verse 22. What am I saying? Let us draw near with a true heart. A full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from what? An evil conscience. And our body washed with what? Pure water. What is an evil conscience? It's an evil conscience of unbelief. When you can't believe what Jesus has done, that's an evil conscience. Are you still there with me? When you come to the place of doubt in your life about what Jesus has done, that's an evil conscience. He said, let us draw nigh unto God. When you think your personal sacrifices in terms like the Jewish religion are the things you can do to be able to get the favor of God, that is an evil conscience. He said, let's draw nigh. By what? Through faith. In full assurance having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with what? Pure water. Ezekiel 30 will tell you what it means to be washed with pure water. It's actually the pure water of the world. Hallelujah. He said, I saw you on the road. You were filthy. You were dirty. You were all soaked in your own blood and I picked you and I washed you and I cleaned you up and I raised you up and you become such a bride and men begin to desire you and I call you to myself and let me marry you because now you have grown up and then I put my bracelet upon your neck. I give you clothes today. I give you shoes to wear and men begin to envy you. What a bride you are at the end of the day. It had nothing to do with what you did. It's all his business. He wants to set you free. Not just set you free. He wants to decorate you. Are you sitting there with me? He wants to decorate you. My friend, let me tell you something. I see two type of women in your life. How many of you remember Vesti? Huh? You remember Vesti in the Bible? And what's the next person? Okay. Esther and Vesti. One need to be decorated. One thing she got it all. She was brought down. But the other one that was humble to be decorated was decorated and appeared before the priest. What am I trying to make you understand? You are such a holy people. You are such a bride. You are such free people. You are such a glorious people that God wants to decorate on the face of the earth. I'm seeing you crowned by God 
He himself. And no man can take your authority from you. No man can take that glory from you. Wherever you find yourself, you are a beauty. He said he set us free. And not just callous freedom. Abundant freedom. And he said he wants to make you whole. Not just whole. He wants to make you holy. So anything that will defile you, God will take away. Anything that will corrupt your life, God will take away. Anything that will defile your character, God will take away from you. Because he wants to make you holy. Stand up and let's pray.